The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm Justice Mosqueda, joined here with Tyler Brooke. If you're listening to this, the big news just dropped. The Wait. Packers, they've re- they've received a uh, seventh round compensatory. Oh my goodness, I'm butchering <laughs> this. I'm keeping this in. Compensatory. There you pick. go. So we got we got four four uh, seventh round picks now. We have the five and round. seven. Yeah. We have we have the original seventh round pick. We got the comp pick. We got the one that we got for uh, Cole Van Lennon in the trade, and then the pick swap that we got uh, with the Rams for Bohorquez. So we did it. Four nothing says picks, Hank Banner. Nothing says Super Bowl contender quite like potentially rostering four to five seventh round picks. And last year we were like, "There's no way Goot's going to make all these picks." And he made all the picks. So we'll see what happens. Um, Rogers watch. I mean, what are what are even the vibes, right? Like, it's just like... I'm drinking. That's we're where just, we're at. Yeah, we're just waiting for compensation to be figured out. It seems like compensation's figured out. It's just like the contract at this point, right? Pelissero supposedly said the contract's figured out. Sauce Gardner just said that, like, the packages are in place um on like a twitch stream because that's where we're getting our news nowadays on rogers watch um so it seems like everything's figured out and it's literally just like so rogers what do you want to do and he i don't know why he's taking his time on it seems like this is your only avenue but if you want to keep playing yeah i i don't don't know make a decision i'm just make a decision Aaron. you're killing my boy you're killing my boy (laughs) just make a decision um we said that we were going to be talking about the uh, safeties that I hadn't watched. And you were going to go back and who I can't remember. Brandon Joseph. You're going to watch Brandon Joseph. Yep. So let's talk about them. Um, I watched Jair Brown, the uh, safety from Penn State. I do have the benefit of watching him after the combine, after he ran the 4 6. <laughs> To me, he looks like he has that top speed of a four six. Like you can even watch um if you just like watch his highlights, right? So like plays where like he's gonna get the ball in his hand. Cause he does he does get the ball in his hand a, a fairly decent amount. Like I think that top end speed is gonna be a limiting issue for him. But Jay Ward from LSU, the other guy that you liked, yeah. He actually he actually worked at corner um at, at the combine. I really did 
like him. Like I would have him right behind or right in that group with like Brandon. He's very different from Brandon Joseph because he is more of like a cover guy and they moved him around kind of everywhere. Um, but I really do like him. So I'd be willing to say like Jay Ward top four safety, like him, Chris Smith from Georgia, Jordan Battle from Alabama, and then Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame. Those are those are the guys that I like the first time around. Are we uh, are we so we're taking Brian Branch and then are we taking Antonio Johnson and taking them and putting them in like slot? Johnson, you can call a safety. I'm fine with that. Brian Branch, I think I'm I'm putting as a slot. Him and Jamie Robinson were the two. Cool. I kind of threw in there. I'm still Antonio Johnson. I'm still not totally sold. He can do anything. Like I understand he's big and like he's solid across the board, but like Jay Ward. I, I know Jay Ward's traits, right? Like Jay Ward, yeah. like he can move, he can move, right? Really like well. He's going to be yeah. a good coverage guy. Antonio Johnson, outside of being big, I still am not totally sure what he does. Yep. Uh, I did go back and watch Brandon Joseph, by the way, just very glad you liked Ward. I did not hear anyone talking about him and it was driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, Brandon Joseph. The one thing you pointed out when we talked on the last draft talk um, was that like mental IQ, football IQ, mental processing, all of that. Uh, and you mentioned like pre-snap communication. I saw that a bit, but it was just like the diagnosing and breaking on the ball that really impressed me as far as that goes. Like there was a couple, I think a couple plays I saw where like he's in that robber situation, right? And they're running mesh and he's just breaking knowing which guy they're trying to throw to in that situation. And like stuff like that gets me excited. Uh, and I can see that role. We heard him talk a little bit at the combine, seemed like a real smart kid too. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely a bit higher on him. I ended up moving him just behind Jay Ward and ahead of Jair Brown. Yeah. You don't want to do the, like he went to X school. So therefore he's very smart, but like he was a Northwestern kid who transferred to Notre Dame. Like, <laughs> That's too, you sweet. know, he got like, two of them. He, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I sit with the, uh, safety class. They had a horrible day at the so combine. Bad. Except Every, Sydney Brown. Except for Sydney Brown, who's like 5'10 flat, and the Packers aren't ever going to look at him. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I mean, I was going to write a thing up today until I realized it's just Aaron Rodgers talk 24-7 right now, so no one's going to read anything about the safety class right now. But, like, basically every safety in this class would be – the smallest or the slowest defensive back Goot has has drafted. Don't tell me that, man. I didn't need to hear that. There's basically like two guys. It's the it's the kid from California, and then the other Illinois. Uh, Jartavius Martin. Yeah, and he might convert mm. to corner. So mm. it's like those two guys. Everyone else in the safety class would be the smallest or the slowest guy Goot would have drafted at the def- at a defensive back position. So I I didn't even know the Cal kid existed until the combine happened. Uh what about Jordan Battle? Like he's he's not small, right? And he tested it actually pretty okay. His RAS was what? 8.99. I mean like that's that pretty good. Time. The Goot has he drafted one guy who runs 4-4s, everyone else runs 4-3s and wow. then Shamar John Charles. So that's kind of how that works out. Like he's only drafted freak athlete DBs and 
going back through Ted Thompson, right? Like all this stuff gets passed down. It was the Ron Wolf stuff that came from Al Davis and then it goes to Ted Thompson and then it goes to Goot. Like they really focus high weight speed stuff, you know, across the board, but especially at DB, like they haven't drafted a guy as small as Sidney Brown since uh, Mike Sherman took a mod Carroll. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, we're talking hey, Cam- Campbell's chunky soups and mod Carroll. I don't know why that's still stuck <laughs> in my head, but I visibly remember him getting a commercial. I was like, why is a mod Carroll in a commercial? Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to break their tendencies at some point. If they're going to address the safety position at all. My, know? my feelings have not changed at all on Chris Smith. Just watch him run fit the alley and you'll be yeah. like, okay, I still love him. I don't care. I have no idea how he ran a, a four, six, He's so good. I'm ready to cope for whatever he runs at his pro day. He's going to run like a 4-4 at his pro day, and I'm going to just be like, see? See? Um, let's get into the tight end class. That's the supposed best to be the class. headliner. It's supposed to be the headliner of all this. Um, can I Can I just say real quick before we get into it, all I heard was about how great this class was, and I had watched a handful of guys, and I was like, yeah, like, there's some really good guys at the top, but, like, where is all the depth? And then I watched the depth guys, and I went, oh, yeah, there's just, like, everyone here can probably have a role in the NFL. It's, it's a pretty loaded class. So I saw six guys. So I'm excited at the end. We'll talk about the guys uh, who I didn't see, because I know Daniel Jeremiah said that there's like 11 guys who are going to go in the top hundred in this tight end class. I watched 11. I don't know which other guys I didn't watch. He's referring to, because I don't know if all 11 guys I watched are top 100 players. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That seemed like a crazy number. I think if you look at the consensus draft board right now, the tight end class, there's six guys who are projected to go in the top 100. And then so six guys in the top 75. And then the next guy after that tight end seven is Cameron Latu, and he's ranked 155th. So that was the last guy I watched. Seems like a stretch that there would be 11 guys to go in the top. 100 but i i guess we'll see um i guess let's just start at the top of the class just in terms of the consensus draft board michael Mayer, um he, he's ranked 20th on the board from notre dame all american has been productive since the moment he stepped on the field as a true freshman he's 21 years old he has like three thousand yards uh you know receiving for notre dame he has the all-time i believe tight end receptions and receiving yards record for Notre Dame, despite declaring a year early. And again, he was a true junior doing it. Um, I think he's, I don't want to spoil this because I think, I, I think I, we have I, the I, same take. Yeah, we do. I think Darnell Washington's better when I watch them, but I do think Michael Mary is kind of underrated. Cause I think a lot of people look at him and say like, He's a tight end, and he's not going to be you're, – you're not swinging for Kelsey or anything like that, right? You're, you're, you're looking for a guy the, – the two guys who always come to mind are like Jason Witten, uh, Jason Witten and uh, Antonio Gates, where it's like they're just going to be on the field constantly, right? And because they're on the field, it's going to feel like they're always open. He's strong enough that he can play Y, right? He, he's good enough of route runner and stuff like that and a contested catch artist and all that stuff that he's going to be productive as a pass catcher. But he's just going to be like that solid guy who like in the red zone, he can high point stuff, obviously. 
but like he's going to be just like the I'm open underneath constantly. I can't believe you forgot about me type of guy, right? He, I just want to preface this before we get into the top two guys. I do genuinely think the top two tight ends in this class, even including like positional value, are first round picks, like easily to me. Yeah. Um, I don't think Mayer is as good of a blocker as people, at least just national media, gives him credit for. Like, he's a good agree, blocker. Agree, agree. He gets talked about like he's like a generational blocker in line. And like, I just, I yeah. do not see that part. What I do see, and every time I watch him, there's a couple plays. I got to see him in person too. His release off a slant, things like that. Tight ends should not be able to release like that. Like, tight ends should not have a release package against press like he does. Uh, I know we have some APC buddies that aren't thrilled with Michael Mayer or in love with him and actually think Let's he Let's name him. Paul Arcon. They hate him. They do not like him. They don't uh, like the idea of it. And I understand their point. I'm just saying I, I've seen I, – I know the Packers' needs, and I've seen the guys at the top of this draft class. I wouldn't be hurt if Michael Mayer was the 15th pick. I yeah. wouldn't. No. Nope. I would not. But I do agree. I mean – the 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 way people kind of talk about him as a blocker, and he is a true why, right? Like he is mm. going to be a guy. He he will be good. He won't be exceptional. Yeah, he's not Gronk. Yes, like he's 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 not Gronk. But to your point, like he the the way he releases and like what he could do as a pass catcher at two hundred sixty five pounds is pretty rare. Like yeah. that is a, a matchup thing. The the weird thing about his combine, um, well, one of the six tight ends at the top of this draft class, he's the quote-unquote, like, worst athlete out of all of them. He's still a very good athlete, especially yeah. at his size. It's just everyone else is a damn near freak, basically. Um, he also dropped 15 pounds from his playing weight to what he was at at the combine. And I don't know why he did that. He ended up coming in at, like, I think it was uh, 249. Yep. He was listed at 265 at Notre Dame, and um, by all accounts, he was playing around that weight. So I, I don't know why he made the decision to drop. I guess it's probably so that, you know, he could jump and, and run faster and stuff like that. But I don't know. Seemed like a poor decision to me. You should have stuck at 265. You're going to be playing at 265. There were some real weigh-in things that bumped me out of the combine this year. I mean, we can talk all about Tuli Tui Poloto and how that broke my heart, but – yeah, that was very strange. Um, I think a lot of guys are just trying to drop weight to make those athletic testing numbers look a bit better. But I, I disagreed with it, and I'm sure I'll have no problem getting that weight back on. Let's. So technically, he's the third ranked tight end on the consensus board at 35 overall. But I want to talk about him because we already tipped our hand. Darnell Washington of Georgia. He he's might be the one. He's the one. He might be the one. I he's mean, him, as the kids say. He's so big, dude. He's so big. Uh, let me look at what he was listed at. Six, six and a half, 264 pounds, 11-inch hands. He ran 11-inch hands. What the What the hell? He ran a 464 uh, and had a 4.08 short shuttle, which is like the top one percentile of tight ends you know, historically, mind you, this guy is like the best run blocker we've seen in a long time. 
he's a he's a sixth offensive lineman. I mean, the way Georgia used him, he is an absolute road grader. It, he's he's a tackle who hurdles people, dude. Yeah, it's insane. Like I, I understand, May, Mayer is the easier projection. I understand why maybe the NFL would have him higher, right? Just because it's like, yeah, consensus all American. He's been the pass catching demon for you know his entire career. Darnell Washington hasn't had the pass catching production, but if there's ever a guy who's going to take that jump at the NFL level, it looks like Darnell Washington's situation. He was a role player, basically not not necessarily a role player. I mean, he was the why in, in Georgia's offense. He was the hand in the dirt tight end, but their their pass catching tight end was Brock Bowers who came in and basically instantly was like the most productive pass catching tight end in college football. Um, he's not even eligible until this upcoming draft. He's probably going to be a top 10 pick in and of himself. It's not like Georgia was throwing the ball a ton just because they didn't really have to, right? Like George Pickens didn't get a ton of yards in that, in that Georgia offense, just because like they were mauling people. They're a team that just won back to back titles. Like, yeah, that's, that's what it like. If if a guy's not productive at the college level, you want a story like Darnell Washington's. I it drives me nuts seeing people like, well, he's not as productive as a pass catcher. I'm like, that's not an evaluation. That's you looking at a box score and not thinking about the scheme he's in. Yeah. He's not playing the same role as a Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer. This guy is. I'm going to block the crap out of you, and then occasionally I'm going to get the ball. And when I do, have fun trying to tackle me. And you mentioned a name earlier, and I we talk about floors and ceilings. This man's ceiling is Rob Gronkowski. How is it not, dude? I I see it. I see the vision. How do you not? Yeah, it, it's like if LeBron James and Mercedes Lewis had a baby, and it was Rob Gronkowski. Like, it, I've I've never seen he's a, a creative tight end player. block like he does. Yes, he's a literal he's creative player. He's a creative player. Like if you maxed out. Everything on like, like I don't want to say NCAA fourteen because I've been playing a lot of NCAA fourteen <laughs> we, recently. We know just, just I'm a little worried for you sometimes. But if you like maxed out some tight end stats on NCAA fourteen, like it looks like Darnell Washington. You know what I mean? Um, super violent on the sideline. Like when he gets the ball, it was such it was almost a novelty at Georgia, and not because he wasn't a very good athlete. Like he'll hurdle dudes who who go low on him. At, at the sideline, um, if it's like a gang tackle, he'll literally try to fight every single person on know, that sideline <laughs> before going out of bounds. It's insane. He's such a violent player. There was a, a clip of him. I was watching. Did you watch the Mississippi State game by any chance? I I, I started his evaluation long ago. I can't even remember. I should maybe start marking down games I've watched. So Georgia – and this is probably a an evaluation you should use for Forbes, the little corner who showed mm-hmm. up at like 166 pounds or whatever it was. George's game plan was, dude, we're going to get Darnell Washington on that small corner. And there was a lot of violence and Forbes did not have a very fun day. That that game was a highlight tape for him. Um, I I get it. If you were like... We're we're taking Darnell Washington at 15. We're taking him over Michael Mayer. The plan isn't to have a super polished pass catcher year one. We want to have the freak in a few years. It, it's 
hard for me to fight against that. Like I think I just, Darnell Washington's ceiling as a run blocker, as a pass catcher, everything is as higher, higher than Michael Mayer's. And you think of the way the offense was ran for Green Bay last year with all the pin and pull and Josiah DeGuara lead blocking and stuff like that. Now imagine all those plays. Aaron Jones is still in Green Bay and Darnell Washington's helping out with that. Uh, imagine how much pressure that takes off of Jordan Love. Rodgers is gone. Yeah. Because the, the, the two main blocks, really, that you want to evaluate tight ends with, right? It's, it's a down block, right? And then it's a base block. Those are because you're not going to do too much with those guys. It's not like you're going to pull them or anything like that no. unless they're in the backfield. If they're a, a hand in the dirt guy like Mayer and Darnell Washington are, it's kind of those two blocks. And Darnell Washington gets after like the the dream, right? Is you bring back Mercedes Lewis for a year, draft Darnell Washington, and then just have Mercedes just raise Darnell Washington as one of his own, right? And then he's a freak from there on out. Just hire Mercedes Lewis onto the coaching staff, man. Let him retire. Yeah, do it. Um, let's go to technically the second ranked guy on the consensus draft board. You don't want to keep talking. I could talk about an hour about Darnell Washington. Yeah, I think people will tune out though. <laughs> um, twenty seventh overall, Don K, tight end from Utah. I watched him. Was not the biggest fan. Couldn't figure out why. So this guy. All right, you talk about him, because if I talk about him, it's just going to sound negative from the rip. Go. So <laughs> I know, like, Daniel Jeremiah as him as, like, a top 15 prospect or whatever, and I, re- yes. I, I respect his process. He does good work. Uh, I have a top 50 grade on him. I think he does a lot of things good to well to very well, right? Uh, I think he can make some impressive acrobatic catches. I love his effort as a blocker. I don't see the trait that makes him stand out above the rest of the class. Um, also I think the way he blocks is genuinely unsafe sometimes because he'll just throw his face into someone without any technique. And I'm worried he's going to get hurt doing that. Yeah. So six, three and a half at the combine two forty six. He didn't work out cause he has a back injury worth noting. Like we just overlooking back injuries now. I didn't realize. Don't we throw your that. technique matters and blocking, man. You're going to get yourself hurt. Yeah. That's pure speculation. I don't know where that came from. He kind of broke out um, this past year because Brent uh, Keithy got injured. We talked about Brent Keithy um, in the APC slack a little bit. He's going to be a use check. So he he was another tight end that was at Utah. He's a guy who gets a bunch of carry. He gets like end around carries at the goal line and stuff like that. I thought he was going to be like the guy in that Utah tight end room. Um and then he ended up getting hurt for most of the year. So Kincaid ends up having a breakout. Kincaid only played one year of high school football. And then he ended up walking on to University of San Diego, which is a non-scholar. It, it's FCS, right? It's the lower division of Division One, But it's a non-scholarship conference. Um, so he becomes a, a FCS All-American in 2019, ends up transferring to Utah. But even with Keithy out, when Utah was in like our two tight end sets and stuff, they still used a different tight end as the Y. They used a guy, uh, Logan Kindle, who was a Utah transfer, another FCS All-American. I don't know how Utah is getting their hands on all these FCS All-Americans from out West. Um, but I, I kind of think, like, Kincaid is like an F. Like, he's mm-hmm. that move guy that he, he's almost like 
a better version of Deguara, but he's not the hand in the dirt guy. That's not yeah. how you want to use him. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. Um, again, I just I think there is a definite role for him, and I think he'll great numbers uh, early in his career. Yeah. Like he will get a lot of passes thrown his way. I just don't see the all around tight end prospect compared to the other two guys um, yeah. where they do a really have like special traits. Um, so that's why, again, I think Kincaid will be good, but uh, as far as the first round pick, I'm just not nearly as high on that stuff. That's, I think you have him in the right spot where you're like top 50. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Pending his back injury, right? Like obviously yeah. that that's going to change some things, but Again, the consensus draft board has him higher than Darnell Washington. I'm not going to listen to that. I can't believe you guys. If, um, Thanos, if Thanos was a tight end, yeah. I, I'm going to take that guy yeah. number one. Let's go fourth-ranked tight end on the consensus draft board, number 47, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Crazy background, right? Like, he's a freak athlete. His RAS at this point is a 9.94 Right, that's on a scale of zero to ten. So we're talking, what is that? Top six percent? If I top could do that, basically top half, half of a percent. Yeah, top half of a percent. I, I messed the decimal point by one point. Um, freak athlete. He's basically six six two two uh, fifty three. He ran a four six one. He's the nephew of uh, of uh, Bill Musgrave, the former Cal offensive coordinator, who's now an analyst with the Cleveland Browns. Um, his entire story is kind of weird. Like Oregon state, they have a really good coaching staff. And this is where like the me being out West and like known coaches and stuff kind of helps out in the evaluation. Like Oregon state after last year basically said like, our best athlete is not getting the ball enough. We need to be feeding him. The plan coming into this past season was let's, let's feed Luke Musgrave. And through two games, he leads the team in receiving yards. I think he had basically like, I think it was like 190 something and change yards over two games. He ends up getting hurt in the second game of the year um, with, with a knee injury that basically ended his season. But if you watch him, I think he's the best shot at a swing for a like Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey type, Mm -hmm. but he's got, he's got a long way to go. And he's an absolute spaz as a blocker right now. Like he, <laughs> he'll do stuff like you hear like, yeah, he's the nephew of a former uh, FCS offensive coordinator and stuff like that. You think the guy's a lot more polished. Like he'll still do the stuff. He'll do like the peewee football thing where like he's loading up the block and he's like holsters, you know, he's got his hands in his holsters ready to block a guy like, it, it almost looks like a novelty when he's blocking dudes because they do move him out and stuff like that. He d- he doesn't have the reps yet. So like, no. I think he has a long way to go. And obviously like the production isn't there because they didn't use him. And then obviously there was the injury. Um, very weird evaluation. I think the type of offense you're going to run is going to be a huge swing of like how you, Raid the guy like I think like Washington right I think Washington's a team that makes a lot of sense for Luke Musgrave because like mm. they're functionally already we're basically like a spread team people don't think about Washington like that but um they were as spread as anyone this side of the Arizona Cardinals right they don't really have a tight end who stands out 
And they just got Bienemy as the offense coordinator who knows how to use a guy like that. Mm. Right. So like I, I think it makes sense for a team like that in like early second to be like, hey, we're gonna draft Musgrave and then hopefully in year two or year three he becomes that guy. But like in Green Bay, I don't know if they're gonna use like right now he might be like in year two he might be Mike Gasecki. Right? There we go. I like that one. Yeah. How do like do we think that the Packers would really use Mike Gasecki? I really don't think so. No. That's what they have Alan Lazard for, you know? I, I agree with your points on the like lack of polish. I mean, when I'm watching him, and granted, I didn't get to watch a ton of games because that injury and trying to go back. Um rounds off routes a little bit. He looks like a little panicky when he's like trying to hands catch stuff. Um, which it seems and when you watch him carry a linebacker up that seam and you just see the play speed and the explosiveness, you see the traits, you're like, whoa. I mean, yeah. this guy can this guy can really be an explosive playmaker for you. Get those chunk plays for your offense. So like you said, it's a hard evaluation, man. Like context matters, a season ending injury matters, a, a lack of true involvement, like you know, consistently for an entire year in that offense as a pass catcher matters. Um, so it's hard for me. I, I did not put him in my top 50. Uh, I marked him down with a second round grade, uh, or sorry. Yeah. Day two grade. Um, so, uh, a little disappointing, but you know, the upside is absolutely there. You see the tools. Yeah. It's very easy to see. I just think it's going to take some time and he needs the right home. He mm-hmm. definitely needs the right home. Cause if you I like try, that Washington fit a lot. Yeah. If you just try to use him as like a traditional why. I don't know. I mean, it might hurt the kid's confidence a little, frankly. (laughs) Hurt his Um, feelings. Yeah. The uh, fifth-ranked guy on the consensus draft board, Sam Laporta out of Washington, or out of uh, Iowa. I don't know why I said Washington. Um, Very crazy background. So have you seen his high school stats? No. Okay. He had 3,796 receiving yards in high school to go along with 50 receiving touchdowns. Was he a wide receiver? Was he, he, was a, he was a wide receiver. Holy crap. Yeah, he's so he's top three all time in Iowa's high school football record book in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He was a slot receiver. Um and so he he's uh six three and a quarter, two hundred and forty-five pounds. He is a smaller guy, uh, a nine point two six uh Raz and ran a 4.59 40-yard dash. Um, he's a he's a pass catcher. I mean, that's what he is. Um, was not when, – when they, they definitely used him as a Y at times just because it's like, dude, it's Iowa. Like, that's just kind of like what they're going to do. You're going to be an inline tight end, and you're going to like it. Yeah, they, they run a lot of ace formations, which is like two tight ends, but like one is on each side, right? So they have like two Ys technically. But when they did their YY stuff, which is, you know, two tight ends to the same side, they would use Laporta as as the wing guy, the off guy. And then 95, who was their – I think he was like 6'6 or, so, or something like that, um, was kind of like their inline dude. So that kind of tells you one thing. They also would split Laporta out, you know, on third downs and stuff like that. I actually really liked him. I, I okay. like – I – if Kincaid's going to go in the first round and Laporta is going to go in the second or third, I'm just going to wait for Laporta. That's yeah. kind of how I felt about it. Like 
they're they're both kind of like the smaller pass catcher guys. I think they're both Fs. Um, F by the way is like F or H. It's it, you know the off the off tight end, right? Like uh, again, like more of a plus. Deguara is kind of the best way to think about it. Um, thought it was funny that he has like the weirdest stance I've ever seen of him lined up outside at receiver. He's just got like this elongated back leg that just like shoots out at a 45 degree angle. So I I think there's potential for him to even get better, but I think he has the best release and the best yak ability of any of the tight ends I saw, but he's obviously going to be more of a pass catcher. I don't think he's going to be the inline guy. He might be your like pass catching second tight end in the NFL, mm-hmm. but like he's going to be really good in that role. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff you mentioned, I I have the same notes on, um, you know, he's very fun. You can see him create that separation. He has a pretty nice stiff arm after the catch, which is fun. I almost think of him like a big slot at the NFL um, level. Uh, when I see him block, I, I appreciate he does not shy away from contact. He does try. I, I just don't know if the play strength is there to be like truly effective. Um, yeah. But when you see that, you know, he's got really good hands. He can, unlike a lot of these tight ends, which surprises me, it feels like he can pick up a ton of yards after the catch. Like he has the contact balance and stuff like that. I watched a lot of tight ends in this class that like the moment they come into contact, they're just falling over. Um, Laporta was not one of those guys. Um, I have him ranked as tight end seven. But in my in my defense, five through eight are all like razor thin margins. Yeah. I think like this next group or tier of tight ends, um, all different play styles, but all very fun players that I think can contribute in just in different ways. And then the last guy I watched, uh, Tucker Craft, ranked set, uh, 75th on the consensus board. He's from South Dakota State. Um, worth mentioning here. So like Tucker Craft mentioned that uh, – he turned down like a hundred grand NIL deal to say at Sandy or at South Dakota state uh, Bama was fishing for a lot of these guys. I know Musgrave was another one that they tried to recruit very hard and he ended up staying at Oregon state. So like Kraft had the opportunity to jump up a level last year and just decided not to um, had a lower leg and ankle tear in the season opener. So like he ended up, you know, fighting through injury for a lot of the year, but I thought, I thought he was really good. Um, mm-hmm. So he had a 9.58 Raz. You know, he's almost 5'6 flat, 256, 254 pounds, ran a 4.96 uh, at, uh, at the combine. Um, checks all kind of like the height, weight, speed stuff you want to see. He played true Y at South Dakota State. I thought he's a solid block. I, I think he's like less strong Michael Mayer is kind of like okay. what I, when I, what I ended up um, selling myself, selling, selling him as to myself. Um, think he, you know, he plucks balls out of the air, all that stuff. I think, I think I really like him. I okay. think he, so I, I have him as my third tight end. And a lot of that is just because. Oh, wow. Okay. He, he's a why. He can be that hand in the dirt guy. He can catch some passes because I, I think if you're bracketing these or, or bucketing these guys, right? Washington, Mayor, Kraft, those are your inline guys, right? And they can obviously split out and do a little bit of that stuff, but you want to use them as inline guys. Like they want to be, you know, down to down, 
they're your tight end. That that's their role. And then Kincaid and Laporta are the F guys, right? They're like your little move around guys. And then Musgrave is like his entire he's like the tight end slash receiver, right? Like that's kind of how I think of this draft class. That's fair. Um, on craft, I mean, it, when you're playing at the FCS level, you want to watch the guy and be like, you need to be the best athlete on yeah. the field when I'm watching. And he absolutely checks that box. Contact balance, like Laporta, is very good. I'm impressed with him there. A lot of the nitpicks I had on him are just like technique things, right? I think he comes into blocks with high pad level. Um, I think his hands are kind of all over the place, you know, especially in like pass protection. And then I saw some pretty nasty drops. I don't know if they were just concentration ones or things like that, but um, athleticism, like role, scheme fit, it's all there. I think he'll be a a dang good player. Um, I I have a few more guys we can go into too, if you want me to just run through them. Yeah, so let's get into that. Um, Let's rank these six first. Cool. So to me, this this is how I had them. And I, I made them in four tiers, actually. So for six guys. So I th- I think I feel comfortable stacking them in a certain way. So it's like Washington Mayor tier, Kraft tier. Then we get into the move guys, right? Like Kincaid Laporta tier and then Musgrave. And then that, again, maybe I'm looking at Musgrave too much from the Packers perspective. I, again, I, th- I think he's going to be valued very differently from, from team to team. But that's how I have it right now. How do you have those six? Cool. So I, I tried not to go into these with a Packers mindset, uh, as hard as that is sometimes. Um, but tier one, Darnell Washington, Michael Mayer. Uh, tier two, Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I, it's not maybe the Packers fit, but you know, it's just where I have it. And then tier three, I have Musgrave. A couple guys we'll talk about, Laporta, and then Tucker Craft. And then a couple other guys we'll talk about in a different tier. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Who, who are who are the guys in the Laporta Kincaid tier, or not Laporta Kincaid? Uh, Laporta Craft tier. I really like Davis Allen out of Clemson. You, I would... am barely aware that he exists. <laughs> Explain him to me. I have not seen him. I've avoided actually the Clemson offense like a plague because. It's I so don't bad. like DJ. That offense makes me sad, but you want to talk about like a guy that can be an inline blocker, like Davis Allen checks those boxes. I think he's a really good run blocker. Um, he has experience inline wing. He'll even play like on the boundary or on the field, just as an outside wide receiver. Uh, his technique as a blocker is excellent. Like he has really good hand placement, that play strength to lock on and like drive guys is really impressive. His contested catch ability is outrageous. He's not getting a lot of opportunities to separate. I'm not totally sure he can separate, but I'm pretty sure he had something like, I think PFF had him like 70% of his contested catches. He came away like with receptions, just some like outrageous play strength, body control, all of that. So if you want that like day two, maybe early day three in line red zone threat, like Davis Allen's your guy. I'm a huge fan of this guy. Uh, and then the other one I have in that same tier, uh, watched him really late in this process, but Luke Schoonmaker, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, out of Michigan, uh, 6'5", 251, nearly 33-inch arms. Like, outside of Washington, I think this is the lengthiest tight end you're going to find. Um, like, you can see all the athleticism in the passing game. 
Um, he has that ability to create separation, especially like right off the release. Um, his play strength isn't where I want it to be, but when I watch him as a blocker, his feet really stand out to me. Like his foot quickness, he's always keeping them moving. His hands are usually in good spots. So that's a player where I'm like, okay, you're big, you're long, and you, like your feet are moving when you're blocking. I can tell the efforts there. I can see the upside with this guy where I think he can develop into a really good all-around tight end. So those are the two guys uh, in that tier that we hadn't covered yet. All right. I'll watch him for next week and we'll okay. come back with, I'll come back with thoughts on them. Um, who are, who are the other guys that you watched in this class? Cause there's a ton of tight ends. Apparently. I mean, there are you, Daniel Jeremiah, there's a ton of tight ends. So, so those are the guys in that tier. Those are the guys that should be in the conversation at that level. And then you, you've seen some other guys too, right? The, the day three guys I have um, Josh Wiley, I think out of Cincinnati, Mm-hmm. Uh, six six and a half, almost two fifty. He's just an inline blocker or an insert guy. Um, honestly, the way I describe him from a Packers fit is just like if you want the big guy that can kind of catch and put him in that Alan Lazard role, just throw Wiley out there. Like that's yeah. the day three guy kind of see. Um, and then the other two are pretty similar: Will Mallory and Cameron Latu out of Alabama. Will Mallory's out of Miami. Uh, just two guys with good play speed. You can tell they have actual receiving threats. I did not like them as blockers. Um, so kind of they've been trying to get rid of Latu at Alabama. Again, they were Latu trying... was my last ranked tight end. They so Latu, um, I believe he came into Alabama as a linebacker, and they ended up converting him to tight end. And he kind of took that job over fairly early on in his career, but like last offseason they were basically trying to buy a tight end. That blows my mind. They couldn't find one. It's Alabama. Well, they were willing to give him money. And then the guys were just like, no, we're good. We don't need it. Which kind of nuts. But I understand Musgrave, at least. Like, maybe if I were, I guess the craft, if you're at San Diego or South Dakota State, um, I mean, you're competing for a title already. So, like, you're already in the title hunt. And you can do more at you could be more of a difference maker at SDSU than you can be at Bama. You know what I mean? And Musgrave, I think his situation was just like, they're going to feed me. I don't know if Alabama is going to do that. Um, Speaking of Alabama, I just want to throw this take out there. What the hell is that offense going to look like next year? I don't even know. I don't think they have a quarterback. They don't. Their quarterback's a runner. Like you can't throw right now. Um, Is their offensive line getting better? Because it was pretty off. I mean, I watched that LSU game <laughs> when I was watching Latu, and holy crap, that offensive line was uh, abysmal. They're not going to have any receivers. They're how did this happen? Well, how did we get backs. here? Yeah, Nick Saban, asleep at the wheel. I'm really worried about this Alabama offense next year. Holy crap, that's wild to think about. I mean, my entire lifetime, basically, of watching football, Alabama has been a juggernaut. What weird. Uh, there's right. one. There's one guy that neither of us watched. Koontz. Koontz. Zach Koontz from Old Dominion. He's a freak, like the Where most the... athletic tight end ever. Pardon my language. Where the fuck are we gonna find Old Dominion tape? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna see if I have any. I, there's I no way if I do. Um, what's what's funny is, I think Koontz actually ended up taking the tight end job from Keon White. 
and Keon White now might be a first round, uh, you know, interior defensive lineman from Georgia Tech. That's who I thought you were talking about. I was like, that can't be right. It's got to be yeah. a different Keon White. No, Keon, Keon White started his career as a tight end at Old Dominion, then uh, moved to the defensive side, then ended up transferring to transferring up to Georgia Tech. So wow, yeah. Uh, Kuntz is six seven know. and a half. He's a freak. I haven't he's watched any. I haven't even seen him in pads. I uh, have uh, no idea. I know he's a white dude. That's pretty much all I can tell you about him. I haven't seen anything from him other than he's a freak athlete and he's a white dude. That's all I know. Um, I'll add him to the list. So Davis Allen from Clemson, Luke Schoenmacher from uh, Michigan, and then Jack Koontz from Old Dominion. I'll watch them from next week. Um, Who do I need to go back? Who was I too low on? I, I think we were pretty on board. Yeah. Like, the fact that we both have Washington as tight end one makes me feel like I'm not insane. We had a discussion in the Slack before this, which I think kind of kind of hurt the conversation yeah. overall. Um, but I, me setting clips, and I'm like, dude, he's so big. <laughs> How is he so big? I can't believe this. I myself into it. He is now t- number ten overall on my big board. Like when you just I think of it. when in you think of. Class? And what's the floor? The floor is you have a sixth offensive lineman on the field. I don't understand. Yeah. That's an absolute win to me. I I believe it where it's like, yeah, the floor is Mercedes Lewis. The ceiling is Rob Gronkowski. Fuck it. Let's ride. Let's do it. Send in the pick. You you can convince me. Once you get past, like, the elite edge rushers and, you know, if your team needs a quarterback or if your team needs a corner in this draft or if your team needs – uh, a tackle, right? Once you get past those, then it's like, Darnell Washington. I don't know. I if, would you if, would you take Washington over any offensive non quarterback offensive skill player in this class? Yes, I think I would too. Oh wait, well, if I'm any team, I think I I hate to say it, I think about Bajan Robinson. But it's Green Bay. They don't, they don't. He's so good. Bijan, by the way, for sure going in the first round. I don't if know if he, there's prop bets about that and stuff like that. He's for sure going in the first round. I talked to people down there in Indy, and it's a lock. Big, big boards of people who are credible, like NFL scouts. He is a top five to eight player on their big boards. He he's gonna go that. He's not. I don't know if he's gonna go that high, but he's no. He's, if he went in the top runner. 10, I wouldn't be surprised. And I really do think he's going to go in the top 20. Um, next week. So we're so we're going down the list by needs, right? So we already talked about safeties, right? Um, we just talked about tight ends. Next on the list, interior defensive linemen. Yes. I'm excited. Because this is, in theory, my area of expertise, right? Perfect. Um. I haven't really watched any of these guys. Like I'm looking at this list. I haven't seen Kalaja Kansi yet from Pittsburgh. Mm, you're killing haven't me, seen, bro. You're killing haven't me, bro. I haven't seen Mozzie Smith. I've seen a little Keanu Benton. I've seen Siaki Ika. He had a really bad uh, uh, combine, the big big nose tackle from Baylor. Brian Bercy, I need to go back and watch his 2021 stuff um, after he ran what he ran. And then Jalen Carter, obviously, it's like – Oh, what's going to happen with the offense? So I'm excited. 
there's a lot of guys in this draft class on the interior defensive line. I think Green Bay's going to end up taking one. I don't know how early it's going to be, but I think it'll probably be first three, four rounds. Um, so hopefully we can pin one of those guys down. I got I got 12 interior guys already graded, bro. You got to catch up. Dude, you're so far ahead of me. It's, you're so far ahead of me. The whole reason year. I did that is so I wasn't scrambling last minute. <laughs> and let me tell you, man, it was a lot of work during the season, especially while coaching. Uh, it feels great now. Yeah. I got to coach this your, next week. Kick your feet up. All right, guys. Um, review positively. Share with friends. Stay tuned to the feed. I'm almost certain we're going to have some sort of like reacts to Aaron Rodgers being traded podcast at some point this week. Probably um, plural podcasts. Pro- yeah, probably fair. Um, I think it's happening. Uh, you know, there's all the smoke. I'm I'm not surprised. Again, feel very comfortable when I stuck kind of my neck out and said, like, I don't think the Raiders are involved really at all. Um, that ended up becoming true. Oh, the other thing. I, I did a little hashtag sources this week. This is how we, we'll end it. Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Apparently the Packers like him. I don't really understand it. How does that work with Christian Watson? Yeah, so Hyatt is a guy who's a speed guy um, for Tennessee. They play a really weird offense where you're basically just running away from coverage, which sounds like, oh, duh. Totally (laughs) just run away from the coverage instead of running into it. But that only works if you're basically just taking vertical shots constantly because you're not working in rhythm, like all the rhythm timing stuff, like none of that's happening, right? Um, Hyatt is significantly smaller than what they usually look for out of wide receivers. Um, was told that by multiple people at this point and had more even reach out to me after I reported it and were like, yep, heard the same thing, that he is like their Chris Olave in this class. They really liked Chris Olave last year. And apparently he's probably their guy at the position. So I think I what I I think what I need to remind myself on, because we talked about it even in this pod, it it's not he can't do it. It's that he wasn't asked to do it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're just looking at like, he's so fast, he's, he's so, so, he's so fast. And the one good thing about the Tennessee offense is they basically put two things on those guys' plates, right? It's their releases and their deep speed. Like those are the two things that you have to basically nail down to be able to play in, in that, in that, uh, what they they call it like veer and shoot. I don't know if that's the right term um, to kind of describe it, but I've heard people call it that. Um, It's basically like the old Baylor or Browse offense. Um, So I don't know. I'm interested if he is the selection to see how it ends up playing out, but I guess we'll see if he ends up being the guy. So keep an eye on Jalen Hyatt. We won't talk about uh, wide receivers for – uh, another two weeks, I think, is how this ends up working out. Um, but worth mentioning, he's kind of the Packers dude, according to hashtag sources. So, Thir- thirteen and fifteen, Jalen Hyatt and Darnell Washington, two first round skill players. The year you get rid of Aaron Rodgers, let's do it. I don't think the Packers are going to get that first round pick. Um, I don't think so either. Go pack Unless- up. <laughs> is Bakhti wait? Instant reaction is Bakhtiari still on the team after this trade? He fucking better be. (laughs) Go Pat, go.
Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 